0: all right well thank you so much for joining us this is actually the last sunday school in regard to the uh, real hope core values that we established as an elder team on an elder retreat and uh, blessed to share this opportunity uh, also with paul weavers who will be teaching gospel transformation and then i will be uh, leading us in kingdom focus so before we dive into that Uh, If you'll bow your heads with me, I'll open us up in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time that you've given to us this morning. Thank you for the leadership of my fellow elders and just all the amazing men and women, brothers and sisters in Christ that we have in this church that have led us to this point. We ask that the Holy Spirit just speak through both Paul and I that your words, that your truth may be shared. This morning and that we may feel just an encouragement and exhortation in doing these things that this isn't just what we believe at Real Hope, but these are things that you've taught us to be the truth. And I just pray that uh, through the busyness of this week, that we can still our hearts and our minds and that we can just focus on you all morning long as we worship you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen all right so uh the the first handout we're going to look at is the half sheet here the kingdom focus so the question is what is kingdom focus what do we mean by this so this top paragraph is what we've condensed it down to and then we're going to uh, take the supporting scripture uh, that that we have for this and then we're going to break it down for you a little bit all right so what is kingdom focus While life in the local church body is important, it is also important to know that we are also a part of the larger body of Christ in the global church. The kingdom of God is much bigger than you in our local fellowship here, and we want to be a part of supporting gospel ministry all over the globe. We support church planting, both locally and abroad, and desire to support ministries that expand the kingdom of God throughout the world. God calls each of us towards living life in the kingdom and to partake in being a kingdom builder in the world. Each believer can uniquely carry out what God desires for them to do in the world to expand and invest in the kingdom. So the first piece of scripture that I'm going to take you to is Matthew 6.33. And really what we want to um, look at this scripture is, first off, what should be our first focus? So I'll give you just a moment to get to Matthew 6.33. All right. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I think it's really important that when we talk about kingdom focus, why would we choose a word like focus? Certainly we want to glorify God's kingdom, but I do think that it's really important that before we go out and we start to be the church, we need to know what our focus should be. So clearly in verse 33, seek first, that's our first focus, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So now that we have our focus, what do we do? We're going to move up just a few chapters here to uh, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. This might be some of the most popular scripture found in the Bible. Otherwise known as the Great Commission not only is this the great commission, but I actually believe that this is a great opportunity of whether you're talking to a, another brother or sister in Christ, or even a non-believer, um, this is really what I point the youth group kids to when they say, you know, when they ask maybe a question of like, like, what is my purpose here? Well, like. Why, why am I here? What is the meaning of life? Why are we created? I don't even belong here. You know, like, like there's, this, there's this doubt that's planted in a non-believer when they're seeking and it's scary. To me, our purpose and our commission, this is what we are here to do. That while it's great that we have secular jobs and success and families and you know, while it's nice to have a car that runs and a, and a house over our head and all these different things, would, it, would any of that matter if we weren't doing the purpose that we were called to do? So our fir- So our first focus, again, is to seek the kingdom first. So what are we to do? I just love verse 19. There's no doubt on what to do. It's not some of you get to go out. It's just a command. It's a verb. It's go make disciples, not in your backyard, not in your church where it's comfy and cozy, not even in just your hometown, but we're gonna dive into that next. Now that we know what to do, how will we as powerless sinners spread the gospel, and where do we go? We're going to move forward to Acts 1.8, And I put the words in here, I'm I'm sure that you saw them, powerless sinners, that there's nothing that we can do on our own. That no matter how hard we personally look at the Bible, that we maybe just read the Bible, we understand what it says, there's one key ingredient that we need. So Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So again, us as powerless sinners, where are we gleaning our power from? Is it through us? Is it through our coffee? Mike, I love you, and I love PC roasters. (laughs) But where is our true power coming from that is going to make disciples? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come to you. Again, I'm gonna go back to my youth group focus, is we can read this Bible, you can be a scholar and read and have book knowledge, but I like to call it, whether it's my wedding ring but the Holy Spirit is like having a secret decoder ring when you're reading the Bible, when you're living the word, when you're out in the world. There is no power that we have in ourself that can change anyone or anything without the Holy Spirit. But we will receive it. We will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. Then we will be as witnesses in Jerusalem. I like to think of this as Lake Mills, okay, in all of Judea, I like to think of this as like, maybe Madison or Milwaukee, maybe you're feeling a little adventurous, maybe you go down to Chicago, maybe you go to some rural area, that would be fine as well. But think of that as here, is Lake Mills, there is somewhere that that we're familiar with, maybe again it's, um, I think about like State Street on Madison, dare we go there, we think that the gospel is needed there and then to Samaria and to the ends of the earth I like to think of this more as our missions Um, you know whether it's a short-term mission again with our youth group we've gone to New York City Um, we have global missions we have global missionaries that we support Um, as I Look at the brills here. I was actually texting with uh, Levi this morning. Praise the Lord, he actually has a new place to live right now. It's gorgeous, it's amazing. And that's done, we're going to get into that in just a moment here, but maybe you're not the one that's called for a long-term mission trip. Maybe you're called for a short-term mission trip. Maybe you're called to pray for these missionaries. Actually, we all are. But maybe you're called and your purpose is to support financially so that we can enable these missionaries to do their purpose that God has given to them. So I think it's really important that when we think about here, there, and far, we play a role in all three of those aspects. All right, let's move to 2 Corinthians chapter 5.20. This just gives us a little bit more clarity. Answering our question there, so 2 Corinthians chapter five verses, uh, verse twenty. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ; God making His appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So nowhere is it that we're am- we are ambassadors of Christ. And we're appealing by ourselves in what we wear, what what we say, what fancy words we might use. But it's, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We are his vessels, we are his tool. He is the vine, we are the branches. If we abide in him and he abides in us, we will be able to share the truth because without him we have nothing. The minute that God is not working through us, We're cut off, we wither and we burn. I think we've all had moments in our life where we start to feel withering and we know that we're not connected to God. When we're connected, God can use us and it can be appealing. We can be the salt and the light that people could see Christ and God through us, that God will use us when we're in the right relationship with him. So Landon and I, he's the LF in this quote here. He and I were kind of chatting this, this week about, like, what would you talk about, you know, for kingdom uh, focus? Here are the different verses. And I actually had him say this back to me because it really stuck with me, is that the church grows the most when the church goes the most. It's just really neat to... Um, Kind of think about that and he pointed me to scripture in acts 8 1 this is an easy one to remember that ties to acts 1 8 so let's jump to acts 8 1 and it says and Saul approved of his execution and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria Except the apostles so pretty interesting to hear that persecution was happening at that time i don't know about you but the world that we're living in today it feels like the church is being persecuted pretty hard so are we called to stay within these four walls and stay here and it's all about sunday mornings and let's stay in our comfy cozy you know warm 70 degree worship beautiful building by the way beautiful but this isn't it right we need to go out not just in jerusalem which lake mills still needs the gospel as well even though we have a number a number of churches the gospel still needs to be shared with our friends and neighbors and the love towards them but there is still plenty of work to be done and the church grows the most when the church goes the most i just see that as an encouragement that we need to get out there and start getting to work All right, we'll flip to the back here. So the question is, now that we have our roots laid, what does this look like in our church today? Um, I am the elder overseeing Real Outreach, or this is the Real Hope um, Outreach. We have taken a turn this year where we still want to do outreach, but the question that every outreach leader has before them is what are we going to do with this outreach activity the gospel is going to land with the non-believer in what ways can we share and show the love of Christ and not just do things but be ambassadors of Christ that God can work through us so some of the different activities um, you know very basic would be like our uh, coat drive and I say basic meaning just like you know it's a it's a process it's a system it doesn't take I think Landon's here. I was gonna say it doesn't take a lot of effort. I don't mean it that it doesn't take a lot of physical effort, but this is something that you could easily Google and just say how to run a coat drive, right? And you would be able to, you know, understand what that basic system is. But then if you're gonna look up and how to share the gospel with it, that's where people start scratching their heads and they back away like, ah, let's just put the, the warm coats and, you know, let's just stay there. But we've challenged ourselves with any outreach that we do now, in what ways can we make sure that it is tied to the gospel? I also have church planting on here. I think the um, most relevant one is uh, Emmaus in Edgerton. As an elder team, we are continually, continuously praying about this, is that we know that the numbers are growing here every Sunday, which is amazing, right? Praise God. We know that the West Wing is being utilized. We are often asked on a week-by-week basis, when are we expanding again? When are we gonna have an even bigger worship center? The question is, do we want to make this bigger in Lake Mills or are there places close to us or maybe far that need a gospel-centered church in their community? I'm not coming to you today with an answer, but If you just take a look around, get to know the different attenders at Real Hope here, you have a lot of neighbors that aren't from Lake Mills, which is really cool. It's very diverse, it's fun. I love getting to meet all these new people, but that means that they're having to drive 10 to 15 minutes because they're not finding truth in their own community. So that's the question that we face is, what can we as a church do to help plant churches and make sure that we're rooted in the gospel, not just here in Lake Mills, but also in our surrounding communities. The next one that I have is missions. So that could be supporting local missionaries. Um, maybe it's you stepping out in faith that God's been calling you and tapping you on the shoulder that maybe you're our next long-term missionary. We're like, oh, God, not me, not me. That, that's the way that it always starts. And then all of a sudden that person takes that leap of faith and they said, God, this is in your hands. And guess what? You have a whole church right here behind you for that too. Or maybe it's a short-term mission trip. We're actually looking at a couple of different options as we speak right now over the next year. This last year was really hard with uh, the COVID restrictions and not being able to go out. We had to cancel uh, multiple short-term mission trips or our missionaries weren't able to come back and visit us on the timeline that they wanted to but we know who's in control god is i just want to take two three minutes here to open it up and challenge you to think what else could we be doing here as a church as you think about this yes is there a homeless population here in lake mills Mills? that's a really good question The answer, unfortunately, is is yes. Um, That actually leads to one of the ministries that we've just launched and kicked off called Safe Families. That's not just for homeless, but that's an opportunity that our church has stepped into to step up and provide safe homes for whether it's kids or adults, families that can literally move in to a safe environment. And there have been many real hope families here um, Wilkie has actually played, you know, she would not want to say, look at me, look at me. In fact, she says, don't look at me. Let's look at what Christ wants us to do. But the refugees, her and I are actually talking about what can we do, whether they're coming here in Lake Mills, or maybe they're being dispersed throughout other parts of Wisconsin. In what way could our church help out the refugees that are being sent to Wisconsin right now? So that's a good one. anything else kind of jumping out to anyone that as a church or maybe as an individual that you feel like we could step into or that you could step into yeah scott Yeah, we've, we've actually talked about that too as an elder team is our food pantry has been able to reach a different level in the community that the traditional standard food pantry here in Lake Mills hasn't been able to. And a few of those folks, um, we've handed out more Spanish Bibles than we have English. I'll just say it that way, which begs the question is, well, it's great to give them the word, is there more that we could be doing for them? I think that's a really good question. I just wanna move on to uh, James one twenty-two. This is something that really stuck out to me, is that let's be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. I think sometimes as we're doers as well, or as we're hearers, We like to say things and say well real hope should do this real hope should do that why doesn't our church do this my question is putting it back on you what are you doing about it and how can we come alongside you is that don't point the finger at anybody else it all starts with you that's the conviction that i've had is be a doer i think sometimes being a hearer there's the saying called the monday morning quarterback that after the Packers play on Monday morning, you're all talking about the Packers, like, oh, they should have done this. why they do that? They should have done this. That happens here at the church as well, is why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Be the church, be, be doers. And then I have it broken down into four practical ways as we wrap up here of how we can help have a kingdom focus. Number one, it starts with prayer, that God would open your eyes to always have a kingdom focus, mind and heart. Number two, here's the here, there, and far, participate in local outreach at Real Hope or even in a community program. It does not have to be tied to the church for you to be the salt and the light. People can see Christ through you if you're connected to God and you can be a part of a community program. Number three, partake in uh, church planning or other kingdom work, Edgerton, Madison, Milwaukee. And then finally, find a way to immerse yourself in missions for Samaria, or far, but for Samaria as well, through prayer, giving, or even going. So with that, I will turn it over to Paul, who is now going to guide us through gospel transformation.
1: Thanks, God. So I will have you out of here on time, don't worry. As my wife knows, I use this many words. Gospel transformation, the last of the seven that we've gone through. Um, I'll read the description, which is on on the website, and then uh, go a little bit into the text, which is provided at the end, um, and then also just try and break down exactly what is the gospel, and then what is the transformation which is meant to happen afterwards. So gospel transformation, as we have it defined on the website, the gospel shapes, changes, and informs everything we do. Gospel is simply the good news that Jesus came to this earth to save us and reconcile us with a holy God. He came and lived a perfect holy life, went to the cross, and died as a sacrifice that atoned for our sins against God and rose victoriously to life so that all who have faith in him can be raised to new life and to walk daily in the power and newness of that life. The gospel brings us from death to life and changes us. Because of this, we believe that growth and change should happen for every believer here in all facets of life. I'm gonna read the scripture which is listed there later, but I wanted to go down first um, to define the gospel. So something that, you know, as Scott was talking, and as we were in 2 in Corinthians 5.20, I read the next verse and just jotted it down. The gospel is really, for our sake, this is 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God one verse pretty simple i'm going to make it a little more complicated but not that much more so piece of scripture that i'd like you to look at is uh luke 2:10. most of the time when we're in luke 2 it's right before january 1st not afterwards i don't know how much anybody else reads the christmas story throughout the year in luke 2. luke 2:10 says and the angel said to them fear not for behold i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people." Pretty simple statement of what the gospel is and who it's for. So the first part, I underline good news. What is the good news? So in, in Mark 1:15, we see Jesus saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. For 400 years before this point, the Jews were sitting around going, what do we do next? They didn't have any prophets speaking to them, and now Jesus comes up and says, the kingdom of God is at hand, and the Jews have been waiting for this for hundreds of years to come to pass. That's the good news for them at that time. The second chunk I looked at is great joy. So I don't know how often we we think about the great joy, and to me it's illustrated right before this in Luke 1, when Elizabeth meets Mary, and the baby in her womb leaps for joy. So Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. John, her unborn child, was filled with the Spirit. So when the good news arrived, those who are in touch with the Spirit felt this great joy. So we have the good news, which is the coming kingdom of God, and we have great joy, which is brought about by that good news. And then who is it for? Well, we just heard from Scott. So following... In Mark one sixteen, 16. Once Jesus announced the good news, he went out and made his disciples. He went out and collected these 12 to go spread his spread his good news. For us, this is borne out also in the Great Commission, which Scott read in Matthew 22. I won't read it again, because I like to use this many words. So that's for me, that's gospel. What are we talking about? It's the good news of great joy for all the people. Now let's talk about transformation. Romans 12.22, so I'm going to do the same thing again. I have this block of text, this one verse, and then I have single chunks where, where I make a connection to another part of Scripture. Romans 12.22 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, and that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So be transformed. Be transformed. Um, I went to Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Something I've come to understand much better in the last few years is that as a part of our Christian life, it's a journey toward and through sanctification. So the process of becoming more sanctified, becoming more and more like Christ. So thinking more like God, reflecting him in all things are part of that process. So I'll say it again. So, Thinking more like God, and then reflecting Him in all things that you do. So, not that we can achieve righteousness and holiness on our own, especially on this earth, but that with the Spirit we can put on our new self and become more like Him. So, let's be transformed. The first part of Romans twelve two. Second is the renewal of your mind. This is something you know. I, I think I, I shared last summer my testimony that I was you know saved as a kid. Very young, but the renewal of your mind, it's really amazing coming through high school, and college, and as a, a guy who is in sports, you're exposed to all sorts of people and you become a bit more whoever you're like or whoever you're around all the time. And you can start to come into patterns of thinking about things that other people, th- the way other people think about them, or having. having uh, just patterns of thinking or, or patterns of, you know, do you choose to use profanity or not? Depending on who you're around, it become much easier to slip into that, habit, into that habit. So the renewal of your mind is taking those habits, taking that way of thinking, taking those patterns which are set in by worldly influences and being transformed such that you are more towards what Christ is like rather than what you were like. So Philippians four eight Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, these, if there is anything worth praise, think about these things. So it becomes a habit and a discipline, just like any other discipline. Exercise, if you do that. When you're in a groove and you have experienced what it's like to train and be close to your goal, then you want to move toward it. And you prefer not to fail. You, you prefer not to do the things that you don't want to do. So renewing your mind for me is closer to wanting to be righteous and holy and fulfilling that expectation. So it's wanting to be righteous and holy, wanting to fulfill that expectation to renew your mind rather than sitting there saying, I better not sin, I better not do that right thing. It's I better press on towards this goal. For me, that's renewal of your mind. Finally, the last part of Romans 12, to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm going to go to 2 Thessalonians now, 2, 13 to 17. And since I'm flying through this, we can send out my notes, and you can look at it later if you like. Second Thessalonians 2, 13 to 17. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you, through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the the traditions you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. So really, all I wanted was that last sentence, establish them in every good work and word, but I wanted the rest of the context along with it. So when you are in the will of God, called through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have our hearts established in every good work and word. So it's not just in our mind what we're thinking about, how we know how to act, how to love each other. It's that our hearts are set in that way through the gospel. Referencing James 1, 19 to 21. I didn't know Scott was going to read James 1, 22. James 1, 19 to 21 is, "'Know this, my beloved brothers. "'Let every person be quick to hear, "'slow to speak, and slow to anger. "'For the anger of man does not produce righteousness of God. "'Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, "'and receive with meekness the implanted word, "'which is able to save your souls.'" So part of this transformation, receiving the implanted word, and not doing it with pride or with accomplishment, but receiving it with meekness, and that implanted word is able to save your souls. And finally, whatever is good and acceptable and perfect, I go to um, Galatians 5, to 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things there is no law. So what can you display as a reflection of gospel transformation? Which is important that it's not self-transformation. There are certain things in that list that I'm good at just by nature. There are certain things that I'm not good at, but I have to recognize that my self-transformation won't be sufficient. So for me, my first conclusion, then I have some bonus questions, uh, is that the gospel is the continual good news of Christ coming for us, continually interceding on our behalf, continually serving as propitiation for our sins, and finally justifying us in our relationship with the Father. The transformation is that we are to do this based on good news and how we are forever changed as a result of the process of sanctification. I want to jump back to a question. If we're not being transformed by the gospel, what are we being transformed by? It was a prompt. The world, how so? For me? Who are you following? I have a few things that, for me in particular, I know that I try and follow. I try to follow achievement. I want to achieve something. So how does it look when you're being transformed by one of these other forces compared to being transformed by the gospel. Sorry? It's never fulfilling. Yeah? Yeah, it's focused on yourself. And even if you're trying to improve yourself, it's still focused on yourself rather than the gospel.
0: Of this world that I see, I don't care if it's the news or what. Let's go change it for his glory. Let his power work through us with great joy and make a difference while we still have some time. That we glorify him. We're going to glorify him, we have a purpose. I, mean, I can't hardly sit still.
1: That's Kingdom Focus. That's probably a good thing I could have touched on. Yeah. Running away from fear or seeking pleasure. Two big things. That's the end of my didactic message. So I'd I'd probably just close us in prayer and then release myself to go get my kids and anyone else who has kids to get them as well. Lord, thank you that you've brought us the good news that you've come to redeem us from our sin and that we get to live life with you because of that. Thank you that we have this group where we can learn, we can grow, and then go out and focus on your kingdom. We love you, Lord. Amen.